As a young teen, Mary became a follower of Jesus after reading Focus on the Family's Brio magazine. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't have that. I'd really like to know what that's about. And so it was, it was an inward decision right there that I made in my room after reading you know, this article in the Brio magazine that I want to have that kind of walk with God that this girl is talking about. For 30 years, we've helped Mary grow in her faith. We've strengthened her marriage, and now we're equipping her to be a good mom to her own kids. Like, really Focus on the Family has been, and all the, the different resources and individuals, the voices of Focus on the Family, it's really been a mentor to me, to my family, um, and just it's cool to see the legacy. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can save more families like Mary's every month. Please call 800-A-FAMILY or donate at focusonthefamily.com slash family. Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. Today's guest on Focus on the Family is Crystal Evans Hurst, and she offers hope for those who are hurting. You still can have in the midst of the best of times and the worst of times, the right perspective and the right perspective changes everything. There is more encouragement ahead from Crystal. Thanks for joining us today. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. We've had Crystal visit our studios here in Colorado Springs twice over the past few years, uh, once with her dad, our good friend, Dr. Tony Evans. Uh, Crystal is a very dynamic speaker, and so today we're featuring a presentation that she gave to a big crowd at a Women of Joy conference, and I think you'll hear echoes of Tony in her speaking style. Yes, she really does have energy, and that passion comes through, and uh, Crystal is a blogger, a podcaster, and the author of the book, She's Still There, Rescuing the Girl in You. We have copies of that, of course. Uh, Swing by the website to see more. And I should note that Crystal is a homeschooling mom and also a grandmother. Uh, With that, here's Crystal Evans-Hurst speaking at Women of Joy, as you said, Jim, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, on today's Focus on the Family. Good morning. Listen, I love it to be in a room full of women who love Jesus and who are taking the opportunity to be in a room with Uh, women who also love Jesus because something happens when women get together to sing praises, to let it all hang loose, and to just have a good time. Are you having a good time so far this weekend? (laughs) I'm so glad to be here with you. My husband is floating around somewhere in the building. Normally, I leave him home with uh, our boys, and they are all happy that I'm gone because then they do things that they don't think I know about, but I know. (laughs) I see the uh, folded up cereal boxes in the trash can, you know, the frosted flakes that I don't buy, the cocoa puffs I don't buy, the Lucky Charms that I don't buy, the wrapper from the honey buns. I know what they're doing when I'm not there. I always just ask him, hey, when I come back, can you just make sure that everybody's alive? And so I'm really grateful to him most of the time for um, sharing me uh, and letting you borrow me for a weekend or two here and there. But this weekend he's with me, so I just wanted to honor him. We have five children from ages 30 to 13. I don't know how that's possible because I'm not even 30 yet, but whatever. (laughs) We also have... Uh, three and a half grandchildren. 
We have two boys still at home. Everybody else is either in college or out of the house. And the two boys are teenagers. I have teenagers in the house and I am happy about it. What I always tell them though is that uh, when they are looking at me like, like, you know, and I really do believe that there's a point in the lives of young people where when you're the mom, especially when you're dealing with um, those of the male species, it doesn't matter what I say, all they hear is wah, 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 wah. And they give me these crazy looks like they don't really understand what I just said. Um, and then I make sure that I tell them, you're the one who's crazy, not me, not me. You're the one with the raging hormones. You're the one who's trying to figure out who you are. You're the one that is trying to figure out what you're going to do when you get all of the freedom in the world to leave our house. But I actually am not the crazy one you are. And that's okay. I love you anyway. A dear lady uh, that I don't know in an elevator one day was asking me about the ages of my children. And I told her at the time my oldest was 13. She said, can I give you some advice? And I'm going to give you this advice for free. I said, sure. She said, just feel sorry for her. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, would you want to go back and go through all that? I said, probably not. She said, exactly. So whatever it is, just tell her, I'm so sorry that you're going to have to be on punishment this weekend, but I love you. I'm so sorry you don't like what I said, but I love you. Or in the case of my daughter, I'm so sorry that your room does not have a door that's on the hinges because it's my room, not yours. I'm so sorry. And I just realized that my 13-year-old is turning. You know, there's a point in time, and it could be, so depending on the kid, it could be 11, 12, it could be 15. Um, it, there's a time where you look at them and you go, oh, it's happening to you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You just, you just start seeing it's just a turn. I looked at my baby boy and I said, oh, you're turning on me. And he said, no, I'm not. I said, yes, you are. This is the baby who has been tracking with us with all the other things because you know when you have a bunch of kids and the younger kids come along, I don't care what you think you're doing with those older kids in terms of scheduling and being official and having all of your ducks in a row. When those younger kids come, they just got to do what everybody else is doing and catch a nap where they can. And so this is the youngest child who used to go with me to all the sporting events and he was just easy and uh, he still is pretty easy. There was a season where we were playing football and we're homeschool parents on accident now for 20 years. Every year I look at my husband and say, are we still doing this? He says, I guess so. I say, okay, well, I guess so. Um, I used to stress out about it, but three of them now have gone to college. So I must be doing something right. The baby, though, has been tracking with us to all these homeschool football games. And when you play homeschool sports, or maybe you know this to be true because of private school sports, you really just have to go where you can play. So that often means we're going far distances to play games. On one particular Friday night, we were going about 45 minutes away from our home. We took two separate cars. My husband took the two older boys, and I said I would come later with the younger one. Um, we drove all those, those two cars out north. Uh, we live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and we won the game. It was great. Uh, after the game, we decided to go to Whataburger because after the game in Texas, we go to Whataburger. And my children are so very excited. I don't typically buy soda in our home. It's kind of a special guest uh, Sunday big family have uh, hospitality thing. And other than that, we don't really have soda in our house. So it's a big deal. And my children get the big size and they go to the spigot. And my youngest son just looks at me smiling while he says, ksh, 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 because he wants to get all the different flavors of soda. Now, when you were young, did you do that? Were you just filled up with all the different flavors? What do we call that? There you go. And I don't even know why we do that, because it's nasty. 
But I think when you're younger, it's just the idea that you can have all the flavors and do whatever kind of mixture you want. And so he got all the flavors and um, was just smiling at me while he was doing it because he was so excited. Came, sat down, ate his burger, ate his fries, drank the majority of his soda. When it was about time to go, uh, he said, Mom, before I go, can I fill up my soda again? I said, sure. So he went back there, filled it up again because he wanted to make sure that he took this opportunity to drink as much soda as he possibly could. So we get in the car. Uh, He and I are traveling home uh, by ourselves, and the traffic is horrible, y'all. It's a Friday night, and there should not be traffic on the Dallas tollway, but there totally was. And I'm just riding my brakes down the tollway thinking, it's already been a long night. We already spent extra time after the game going to Whataburger. I cannot wait to go home. You know that feeling that you have when you're in traffic and you don't even know why you're in traffic, but at some point the traffic breaks and you may never even know why the traffic was happening. You don't see the accident. You don't see the car on the side of the road. You just know now I can go. So the car in front of me obviously got the signal that it was time for him to go. So he hit his gas. And I looked at him and thought, this is awesome. And as soon as he took off, I took off. Well, he misjudged how fast he should have been going. So he took off and then immediately hit his brakes really hard, which meant I then had to hit my brakes really hard. Now, the good news is I had my seatbelt on. My son had his seatbelt on. But there was one thing in the car that did not have the seatbelt on. Y'all, that soda from Whataburger went flying forward. It splashed against the front of my windshield, and all of that juice came ricocheting off the windshield back onto my face, into my hair, into my purse, all over my car. But y'all, I'm a good mother. I'm a good mother. So the first thing I said out loud in my, out of my mouth was, baby, are you okay? Well, I don't think my son was a good son that day because the first thing out of his mouth was, my soda! (laughs) And that really upset me because I'm thinking, not only am I damaged by your soda, you're not damaged by the soda, you're in the back seat. My car still to this day, there's a button in my car that if I press that button, it sticks, which means it shortcuts the electric circuit for everything else and none of the other buttons will work. Still, I have cleaned that thing with alcohol, stuck Q-tips in around it, put a knife in there trying to clean it up. It's still stuck. Y'all, this was like seven years ago. The button's still sticking. But you know what? The car's paid off, so it is what it is. I'm not... (laughs) But I was also upset because to me, of course, my vantage point as a mom, his vantage point as a young, young man, my vantage point is that we are okay. You're okay. You had your seatbelt on, and that's why I said that to him. I said that to him because I know that had I not hit my brakes or had we not had our seatbelts on, this could be a story that did not end very well for our car or for our lives. And I'm thinking, as I'm looking at him, you totally have the wrong perspective. Boy, I need you to be grateful. I just saved your life. You had your seatbelt on. I saved you from impending injury or impending death. And all you can think about is that doggone soda. And that's not the last time you're going to have it. And there's more where that comes from. But I saved your life. And sometimes, y'all, I wonder if God doesn't look at us girls 
when life stops suddenly for us or when we run into uh, unexpected traffic or when we have to hit the brakes hard because something in front of us is uh, not doing what we expected it to do and something in our lives flies off the handle, does something we don't expect. And when God looks at us and he's saying, girl, listen, I know you're okay. You have the seatbelt of the blood of Jesus Christ holding you in and guaranteeing your life. And you are crying over something that's spilled. And I need you to get correct perspective because I've saved your life. And probably what you're crying over, there's either more where that came from or you don't need to worry about because you'll have everything you ever want in eternity with me. I need you to get correct perspective, girl. So what I want to do this morning is just to walk you through a passage of Scripture in hopes that it helps your perspective. Now, I realize, I understand it because I, in my own life, I know what it is to have things spill. Something that you hold precious and dear something that you thought you'd be able to enjoy for longer than you had it, and it slips right through your fingers, and it's disappointing, it's discouraging, it's depressing, and you are honestly more focused on the thing that you thought you'd have than the God who gave you the life to have it. I know what it is like to have the feelings and the emotions that say in a certain moment, God, are you serious? Because in that moment, listen, my son was mad at me for hitting the brakes. He did not have correct perspective that by me hitting the brakes, I actually was saving his life. And sometimes that's what happens when God allows the brakes in our life to be, to be hit suddenly and we are just feeling the ricochet, the pain, the frustration of what has happened and we're not paying attention or we're not knowledgeable of the bigger picture because the Bible says his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we have to realize that sometimes things are happening in our life and we don't know why. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Praying with the kids at bedtime in the comfort of your home. This warm setting is featured in the new special edition print from Focus on the Family titled, What Matters Most? It's a story in paint by artist Morgan Weisling, a gicle depicting a faithful pioneer family, and it can have a special place in your home to remind you of what's truly important. Get this special edition print at focusonthefamily.com slash special print. That's focusonthefamily.com slash special print. I was convinced that nothing could change what was going on in our marriage, and I didn't want to try anymore. But my commitment to God helped me try one more time. We went to a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, and it was life-changing. The counselors created the safest environment we could imagine, so that let us really talk. We're on a much different course now, and I believe we received a miracle that week. Receive your free consultation at HopeRestored.com. Welcome back to Focus on the Family. Let's go ahead and return now to our presentation from Crystal Evans Hurst. In Ephesians chapter 2, there's a series of verses that talk to us about what it means to have the correct perspective. So I would like to read for you actually Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 in the message paraphrase, because I love how this reads and the picture that it paints for us. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhale disobedience. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing. When we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. 
It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all of this on his own with no help from us. And then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us with all of the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness in Christ Jesus upon us. Saving is all his idea. It's all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role because if we did, we might go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. I want to walk you through verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. Because I want you to remember to keep the right perspective, even when life is not doing for you what you'd like for it to do. It's not giving what you'd like for it to give. You still can have in the midst of the best of times and the worst of times, the right perspective. And the right perspective changes everything. We are his. My oldest daughter went to college at Baylor University, which was at the time about an hour and a half from our house. So I would dart down there every now and again to see her just because I could. One particular Friday afternoon, I called her. I said, hey, what you doing? Um, she told me she was about to be done with her last class. And I said, well, I'm going to come down and see you this afternoon. I'm just make a drive down there and drive back. She said, great. So I got in my car, y'all. And on the way there, I drove through Sonic because Sonic Ice is a gift to the body of Christ. <laughs> Let me tell you how I order it. I get a large Route 44 cup of ice and then I get a medium sweet tea because really... I don't need that much sweet tea. I just need mostly the ice and the sweet tea to make it go down and keep it cold. It's great. So I created my own concoction in the car, uh, got in the car and started driving down to the school. When I got to the school, I got my Route 44 out of the car and walked up to her room. When I walked into her room, she uh, hugged me. She was glad to see me. I proceeded into her room with my Route 44 in my hand and was looking for a place to put it down. I saw her desk, it was fairly clean, so I set it on the desk. She runs over to the desk and picks up the Route 44 and says, Mom! And she grabs a paper towel, folds it in a square, puts it on her desk, and then sets my Route 44 on her desk. And I'm just in shock, because I, I don't even know why, I don't, I'm even shocked that she cares. Why do you care? She said, Mom, you're gonna mess up my desk. Now, the first problem I have with this is, it ain't your desk, girl. That's number one. This is a desk that you're only going to have for this, even this year, and then you're going to change dorm rooms or move off campus and do something else. Number two, I'm in shock because why do you care? You're the same kid that was putting glasses all over my furniture at home. I had to tell you all the time, please don't put that glass on that wood because the condensation from the outside of the glass is going to mess up my stuff. And you never cared. So why all of a sudden do you care? I can tell you why she cares, because she thought that it was hers. And I'm sitting there looking at her like, not only are you not even going to have this next year, the only reason why you have it this year is because I wrote the school a check. Are you crazy? <laughs> Perspective. 
But in her mind, because she thought it was hers, she decided she was going to take care of it. My boys uh, recently, um, in the last few years, I, I just looked at them and said, I'm done. I'm done with the video games. I'm not buying you any more consoles, no Wii, no PlayStation, no Switch, no nothing. I'm done. I'm not buying any games. I, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm sick of it. And um, they were in shock because what else are we going to get for Christmas besides technology? So I saw them one day, a couple days after Christmas, huddled up, having a conversation. They were just sitting like really talking deeply. What I realized they were doing is trying to figure out how they were going to use the gift cards and cash that they had gotten from cousins and aunts and different people, grandparents. They were going to pool their resources to buy the PlayStation that their mother didn't get them. So they pooled their resources. I've never seen them work together and cooperate so great. It was amazing. I said, yeah, y'all can do whatever you want. I'm not buying it. So they did. They pulled their resources together and bought a PlayStation. They were negotiating who's putting what in and who's going to buy the controllers. Y'all, that thing arrived. They were so careful with how they set it up. And they put the controllers in the right place. No one had to ever tell anybody else to find the controller. They knew where it was. Every time they finished playing, they would roll up the cords all nice and neat and put everything exactly where it's supposed to be because they paid for it. Then one time we were going out of town on a road trip, and they said, well, when we get to the hotel, will the hotel have connectors for our PlayStation? I said, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. All of a sudden, the communication skills went through the roof. The research skills went through the roof. One Googled the number to the hotel. The other one made the phone call. Excuse me, can I speak with someone at the front desk? Uh, we need to know if you have HDMI connections as well as left and right sound out stereo. I'm looking at them like, oh, wow. <laughs> Then when we got ready to go, they didn't just pack the PlayStation. One kid brought out the original bubble wrap. Another kid brought out the original box. So they wrapped it back up and they put it in the box. And then they were negotiating who's carrying the actual console, who's carrying the remotes, and who's carrying the games. And I was like, I should have been parenting like this a long time ago. This is phenomenal. Do you want to know why they were acting like that? The same reason my daughter was acting that way with my Route 44. They thought it belonged to them. When you think something belongs to you, you take care of it differently. There's a difference in how you take care of the repairs that are needed for an apartment than a home. It's different. It's different. And it is different in the same way with God. He takes care of what belongs to him, which means he takes care of you and I. So I realize that there are times in your life where there may be things that spilled, things that you're disappointed about, things that have been depressing or discouraging, things that you were hoping to enjoy that you didn't get to enjoy as long or at all. And I realize that when those things slip through your fingers, when they make a mess in your life, the reaction is to think, God doesn't love me. He doesn't care. He didn't even allow me to keep the thing that I was so looking forward to enjoying or that I was so hoping that I would experience. And you have to remember that God takes care of what belongs to him. He takes care of you. Unless you think that he does not take care of you or that you don't belong to him, let me read some passages of scripture for you. Genesis 1.27 says that God created man and woman in his image. Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. 
Psalm 100 verse 3, know ye that the Lord, he is God, and is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Isaiah 43, 1, but now says the Lord, O God, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God, and your body is not your own? You belong to him, and God takes care of those things, those people that belong to him. So when you are thinking in your life that things are falling apart, you have to trust the fact that even though it seems like what you want has slipped through your fingers, what you desire you don't have, what you had hoped for has not come to pass, that the most important thing is you, and you belong to God, and he is taking care of you. And I was thinking in the sun with my son in the car, as long as you're okay, I can buy you another soda another day. And I wonder sometimes if God is looking at you and I and saying, listen, I know it's devastating, but I can do at another time exceedingly abundantly above and beyond everything that you can ask or think, Ephesians 3 tells us. Don't get too hung up on this, because what if there's more to your life than this? You are his. So you've got to develop a holy confidence in who you are because of whose you are. You are his workmanship. We've been enjoying a message from Crystal Evans Hurst speaking at a Women of Joy conference, and we'll continue her presentation next time. That was so good. I love Crystal's story about her kids taking excellent care of their PlayStation because they had to buy it themselves. That's human nature, and it's a great illustration of the fact that God will take care of us in good times and bad because we belong to him. And we are his workmanship and we are his children if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. In fact, in the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 11, it says, If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? God wants to give us good things, but sometimes our circumstances don't line up with that promise, and that can be so difficult. And if you're going through a hard time right now, we have a wonderful staff who would welcome the opportunity to talk to you and refer you to one of our caring Christian counselors if you need that. That's a service we've been providing for over 40 years here at Focus on the Family. The goal is to help your family thrive in Christ. Here's the feedback we received from Barbara. Throughout our 30 years of marriage, my husband and I leaned heavily on focus to help our blended family truly thrive, not just survive. We made use of your counseling services and other materials, and now we are so grateful to be reaping the benefits of all the support you provided. Thank you. That's so good. And let me give a big shout out to the donor community who make our free counseling services possible. We couldn't help families like Barbara's without you. And if you haven't given to focus on the family, let me encourage you to do so today. You can do ministry through focus. And when you make a donation of any amount, we'll send you a copy of Crystal's book. It's called She's Still There, Rescuing the Girl in You. 
If you're wondering what God had planned when he created you, maybe you regret some decisions from your past. This is the book for you. Crystal explains how to become the person God intended you to be. So get a copy from us today. Request your copy when you call 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459, or go online and uh, donate as you can at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. When you request the book from us, we'll include a free audio download of Crystal's entire presentation. Next time, more encouragement for difficult days from Crystal Evans Hurst. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. I'm here asking people what happens when you turn 70 and a half. You get free ice cream for life? Uh, you get more senior discounts? When you turn 70 and a half, you are eligible for an IRA charitable rollover, and you can give that to Focus on the Family. You can find out more at FocusPlannedGiving.com. Reduce your taxable income and help families thrive for generations to come. It's a gift that appreciates, and we appreciate you for giving it. Maybe instead of lamenting your mess, you just need to own your mess and say God knows what he's doing. Well, we have more wisdom to share for you today from Crystal Evans Hurst on Focus on the Family. Thanks for joining us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John Crystal has been sharing encouragement for anyone who's experiencing a difficult time. And her starting point can be found in Ephesians 2.10, which states that we are God's workmanship. And Crystal's explaining what that really means for our everyday lives. And if you missed part one of Crystal's presentation yesterday, uh, please get in touch with us. We can send you the entire message on CD or audio download, or you can get the Focus on the Family app for your smartphone. Our details are going to be at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast, or give us a call, 800, the letter A, and the word family. Crystal Evans Hurst is a blogger, podcaster, homeschooling mom, and a very young grandmother. Uh, She's the author of a book called She's Still There, Rescuing the Girl in You, and she's the daughter of our good friend, Dr. Tony Evans. And once she gets going, I think you'll recognize her dad's uh, speaking style. She's got it, and she can preach. And uh, join us now for a front row seat at the Myrtle Beach Convention Center for Crystal's message at a Women of Joy conference on today's episode of Focus on the Family. My grandmother, who had uh, sewn clothes, great seamstress, um, wasn't a living, something that she just did on the side to make extra money. And uh, I said to her in the sixth grade, will you help me learn how to sew? I was graduating from the sixth grade and wanted to make my dress. And um, y'all, I didn't realize that when you sew, you don't just whip out the fabric and put it on the machine. You have to painstakingly pin the fabric to a pattern and be very careful about how you cut because how you cut will determine how easy it is to sew the pieces together, that everything lines up the way it's supposed to line together. Well, I didn't know all that in the sixth grade. So by the time we got to the end of the cutting, I was like, Grandma, can you just finish it? I'm, I, I don't think I want to learn how to sew. I forgot about that when we started homeschooling and my oldest daughter, who's very creative, very artsy, wanted to take a quilting class. And I said, I'll quilt with you. Well, you have to cut out a lot, a little pieces. 
So I got most of the pieces cut out. I even got most of the front sewn together. But by the time she had finished her quilt, binding, backing, and all, I just barely had the front of mine done. Y'all, I was so happy that the class was over. I didn't know what to do. And I just said, you know what? It's okay. I'll finish my quilt later. I folded up that top of the quilt and put it up in a closet because I had forgotten that sewing is not the thing. I'm so glad that my daughter has gone on to be a wonderful seamstress. I figured just skipped a generation. And one Christmas, she actually finished my quilt for me. Put the padding in, put the binding on, put the backing in, and handed it to me one Christmas. Said, here you go, Mom. I said, thank you so much. I'm so glad. I forgot about that when she got married, and I had this great idea that I was going to make her a memory quilt. Because <laughs> I thought it's so great that you can take printable fabric, and I was going to have all the aunties and the cousins and the friends and all the women that have been in her life all of these years to give her words of wisdom or scriptures or quotes, things that would encourage her in her marriage as she went on in her married life. And so I collected all the quotes, I printed them all out, got the fabric all situated, and then I realized that I had to put it together. So I called a lady in our church who actually had made me a quilt when I got married. I said, I miss Fanny the favor. She said, what is it? I said, I want to make my daughter this memory quilt for her wedding, for her bridal shower. Would you help me? I've done all the work to print out all the quotes and scriptures and all that on the individual um, sheets. And I would love for you to just help me put it together. She said, I would love to help you do that. She said, when do you need it, y'all? It was a Tuesday. I said, by Friday. <laughs> she said, well, I don't think I can finish it by Friday. What I might be able to do is just sew the, the squares together so at least you have something to share with her. I said, I'll take it. So Saturday morning, the bridal shower came, and you know, this is a hot mess. And if you've ever seen the back of a quilt, you know that threads go everywhere, okay? So I wanted to show her, but I didn't want people to see the messy back. So I asked my sister Priscilla to hold one side of the quilt while I held the other side of the quilt. And the edges are frayed, I didn't want anybody to see that. So we kind of rolled the top and rolled the side and then got some binder clips from the office supply store and just stuck it together. <laughs> when we opened up the quilts, every woman in the room said, oh my goodness, that's so beautiful. How thoughtful, how lovely, what a great gift. And all I was trying to make sure of is that they didn't see the mess on the backside. I did give that front-facing quilt back to Miss Faye. She did put it together. And I want to tell you that it is a beautiful quilt that my daughter loves to this day. But when I presented it to her the day of her bridal shower, she was just as excited, if not more excited that day than the day I gave her the finished product. Why? One, because she didn't see the back. And two, because if she had seen the back, she wouldn't have cared. What if, in the middle of our lives, as God is piecing us together with our experiences and our various personalities, what if we know the backside is messy? What if we know individually the backside of our story? We know where we've been. We know what we've done. We know what we've been through. And we pray to God that nobody sees the messy back. And let me tell you something. When you really believe that you are his workmanship, when you really believe in Psalm 139 that it says, you are created in your mother's womb and God knew you before anybody else saw you and he stitched you together with a beautiful intention for your life. When you really believe that, then you'll stop hiding because you'll understand that even unfinished, even a little messy, your his workmanship. What would happen if you decided to show up and act like 
God is going to use me where he puts me. I'm not going to apologize for the messy back. I'm not going to apologize for what's not finished because I know he's doing a work in me. That Philippians 1, 6 says that God is going to finish the work that he started in me. So why are you hiding if you believe that that is true? You are his and you are his workmanship. We like to hide though. When you hide, when God is asking you to show up, you are shortcutting your life. There's someone out there in the world, in your world, who needs to know that if they don't have it all together, that God can still use them. There's someone out there in the world who goes to your place of work or goes to your church who needs to know what you've been through so that they know that God can get them through. There's someone that needs to know that God can comfort them the way he's comforted you during a dark season. And if you show up all the time, all put together, they don't know what Jesus can do. What if as you are, unfinished, unput together, it's just the way God wants you to be right now? And what if you trusted in the perspective that God is always up to something good in your life? That it's true in Romans 8.28 when it says God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. That, that it's true. If you believe that, how would you show up in your life? I want you to know that you are not an accident or an afterthought. You are here for a purpose. My friend Valerie Burton says, God make no mistakes when you were created. You are uniquely designed for success in your purpose. He made you alive. And I need you to recognize that perspective on your life, even messy, is okay. I went to a Bible study for years. I would love to say that I went to a Bible study for years uh, because I was just so hungry for the Word of God. I was, but that wasn't my first motivation. My first motivation was it was a Bible study for young moms, and they would keep my kids. Can somebody just say amen? <laughs> You're going to keep them for three whole hours? Three hours? Two hours for Bible study and one hour for fellowship? I will stay for all the fellowship you want me to stay for. Thank God. Thank Jesus. But I went to this Bible study, and every table had a mentoring mom. And at the beginning of every year, mentoring mom would get up. Uh, all of the mentoring moms, they would line up, and they would share their name. They would share how long they'd been married, how many kids they had, and the last argument that they had. And so every year, a woman would talk. She'd say, my name is Patty, and I've been married for 30 years. I have three children. The last argument that we had was him not mowing the grass on a regular basis. And then one year, there was a lady named Jade, and she said, my name is Jade. My husband and I have been married for 37 years. We have three children, and the last uh, argument that we had was about his socks on the floor. Fast forward to the next year. Jade got up again because she was still a mentoring mom. And when it came to be her turn, she said, my name is Jade. My husband and I would have been married for 38 years this year. He passed away. We have two children. And honestly, I would give anything to have an argument about his socks on the floor. Perspective. Sometimes the mess is actually good. Sometimes the mess, you'll look back years from now and realize that that was the good old days. Sometimes the mess, the thing that you're running from is actually where you're experiences in life that you will treasure are actually happening. Maybe instead of lamenting your mess, you just need to own your mess and say, God knows what he's doing. So I'm going to engage and I'm going to trust him and I'm going to keep the perspective that I'm his workmanship. And even though this is messy, he's working on me. You are his 
You are his workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Man, I knew my marriage was falling apart. I just didn't know how to fix it. I felt like I would always be alone, even if I stayed married. At Focus on the Family's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, we offer hope to couples in crisis so they can have the marriage they've always dreamed of. For the first time, I felt like my husband truly heard me. I've received some great tools from the counselors that have changed my life and my marriage. To begin the journey of finding health, go to HopeRestored.com today. Welcome back to Focus on the Family as we return now to the presentation from Crystal Evans-Hurst. I was totally immersed and engaged in the wedding of Harry and Meghan. I got up early in the morning to make sure I could see all the little funny hats and all the women coming to the wedding and the who's who. But I had two screens going. I had one going so I could watch the wedding festivities and I had another screen going because I was Googling away Meghan Markle, Meghan Markle. I wanted to know more about Meghan Markle. I was amazed at some of the old photos of her because there are certain things that were not a part of the new Meghan Markle. Little things like nail polish. Many times in old photos, she had dark nail polish on, like the black or the dark purple. Definitely a couple times I saw red. The new Meghan Markle wasn't wearing red because royalty doesn't wear red. Did you know that? If you ever look at their fingernails, they're always nude, natural, blushy colors. She was an actress. She gave up her whole situation. She'd worked her whole life to be an actress, had a steady job on a show, Suits, I believe, and gave that up. Why? Because Harry loved her. And she said, if Harry loves me and says that I am royalty, then I'm going to act like royalty. I'm going to believe that I'm royalty. I'm going to adjust the way I dress, adjust the way I look, adjust the way I walk, adjust where I go, adjust where I work, because Harry loves me. question I want to ask you is, do you actually believe that you're loved by Christ Jesus, that you're in Christ Jesus, that he is covering you, and because he's covering you with his blood and offers you the gift of salvation because of his sacrifice on the cross, the Bible says if any man believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will be saved. That means you are covered. You are part of God's family. When you're a part of God's family, you are royalty. Are you acting like you're royalty because you believe that you're in Christ Jesus? Are you acting like you're loved? Are you willing to change things about your life? Move where you live, change where you work, change how you dress, change how you think, and look at how people referred to her after the change. It's princess making. Royalty. What changed? Who loved her? And the fact that she believed she was loved. Now here's the thing, you know, she doesn't change back in a couple of ways. But the reality is she's still operating under the banner of Harry's love. Harry was smitten. Did y'all see how Harry looked at her? Smitten. And when I tell you that God is smitten by you, he made you in his image. And when he looks at you, not only does he see a wonderful creation, 
because there's never been nor has there ever been someone like you, nor will there ever be someone just like you. Fingerprints are different. The pattern on your tongue says you're unique. The pattern on the back of your retina, remember Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible? It would scan his eyes. It's true. There are physical things about you that no one else has, nor will they ever. The same is true of your soul, your personality, your experiences, your gifts, your abilities, your interests, your passions. There is no one like you, and when God looks at you, he says, look at her. She's one of a kind, and you are loved so deeply and so ferociously, so much by a God who created only one of you. And if you actually believed you're loved, how does that change how you see your life? How does that change the lens through which you see what happens in your everyday? Listen, I really mean it. There is no one like you. I am barely dressed today because my sister makes sure I look decent every time I leave the house. I'm so glad she has the gift of shopping because I don't. I believe in black. I believe in yoga and t-shirts. I believe that when God created elastic waist with drawstring, he was thinking about me specifically. She enjoys it. It's a passion for her. There's nobody like you. A lady one time came up to me and she says, I got it. I know. I got my purpose. I, it, it just dawned on me while you were talking. I finally know my purpose. I said, what is it? She said, brownies. I was like, okay, that might be my purpose too, but why do you say that? She said, every Sunday I make brownies at church, every Sunday. And I thought all this time that this is just some random thing I do. I now realize I love it so much. I do it every week. Nobody has to ask me. I'll bring brownies or muffins or cake or cupcakes, and I bring them, and everybody calls me the brownie lady. But what I realized is this thing that God has put in my heart to do, he made me like that. He gave me the gift of the enjoyment of baking, and when I bring it out of my house, because I don't want to eat it all, and I put it on the back table at church, what I am doing in obeying my gifting, my calling, doing what I'm passionate about, is setting the table for fellowship because all the people gather around the table and they talk. It's not about the brownies. It's about me using my passion, offering it up in my local church and letting God decide what he does with it there. You've got to believe in the beauty of who you are because of whose you are. And the beautiful thing about you is that you were created to do something good. Every uh, Monday in my house, we have oatmeal. Every Tuesday, we have smoothies and some kind of bread. On Wednesdays, every Wednesday, we have scrambled eggs with cheese and bacon. I make it in the oven. Once I realized I could make it in the oven and not kill myself and die of hot grease, it's like, this is wonderful. So I put it in the oven. It's awesome. On Thursdays, we have hot cereal. On Fridays, we have pancakes. I do this because I don't want them to ask me every morning what's for breakfast. You know what's for breakfast. It's Monday. <laughs> so on Thursday mornings, I actually don't, that's my least enjoyable breakfast. Uh, we make cream of wheat or cream of rice. The reason we make uh, one of, or the other is I grew up on cream of rice. I don't enjoy it because if you're going to heat milk up to the temperature it needs to be for the cream of rice or cream of wheat to cook, you have to stand there and stir it. So I just stand there making figure eights to make sure that the milk doesn't boil and that it doesn't stick to the bottom of the pan. 
But the reason why I do this is because after it gets hot and just starts to boil, and then I put in the cream of rice or cream of wheat, and then stir it until I can feel that the thickness and the consistency is changing a bit, letting me know that the expansion of those granules are happening. And then right at the right time, I pour it into individual bowls, setting them up, so that I can, after that, put a pat of butter right on the top, because that's what the box says I'm supposed to do. Put a pat of butter on the top. And when the kids walk through the kitchen and they see that it's cream of rice or cream of wheat day, they say, oh, yes, she made the good stuff. <laughs> they love it. But I had to stand there and stir it. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. Uh, that's 2 Timothy 1.6. 1 Timothy says, do not neglect the gift in you. But here's the thing about what God wants to develop in you. The good works that he wants you to do. It is the good stuff. But here's the problem, y'all. We don't like sometimes standing there to stir it. We don't want to show up and be committed in that ministry. We don't necessarily want to show up and stay in that job. Sometimes we want to. Uh, we, we just are sick of the person we're married to. We don't want to stand there and stir it. But then we look at other people who are enjoying the good stuff, and we want to know how they did it. Well, listen, sometimes they just stood there and stirred the thing. It wasn't time that was celebrated. It wasn't time they enjoyed. It wasn't time that they were uh, excited about it. But they knew, they believed that something on the other end of the stirring was going to be good. So they stood there and they put in the time. They put in the time on the job. They put in the time in their education. They put in the time to study God's Word. They put in the time to taking care of the body. So when we see the other side of it, we say, there's the good stuff. What if the good work that God wants to do in you requires you in the season that you're in to just stand there and stir it? Just to be faithful where you are, to do the thing that's not exciting, to do that thing that's not celebrated, to do the thing that you may not even enjoy, but you're just trying to be faithful where you are. Just trying to be faithful so that he can use you. You don't even know what the good works are that God has planned for you totally. But I can guarantee you that often when we see the good stuff in other people's lives, there's a season of their lives where they just stood there and stirred it, being faithful where they were planted. We all have a starting point at the blood of the Lamb, and I realize that our starting points are the same in Christ, but then we have to go down the road, and often along the road, some things in our lives spill. I understand that it's messy. I understand that you don't like it. I understand that it wasn't planned. I understand that you really don't understand why God would even allow this, but let me remind you of this. Regardless of what happens, you are His. You are His workmanship. You are created and covered by Christ Jesus. And if you're still here, there is still something for you to do. So when life goes awry, when life doesn't look the way you wanted it to look, when it's painful, when you're discouraged, I want you to keep in mind that you are still here and the seatbelt represented by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross for your sins means that you are covered, you are saved, you are safe. Keep perspective. So no matter what the doctors say, you get to live forevermore. No matter what those kids are doing and going astray, that does not mean that God cannot redeem the time. No matter what you lost, the, the God can recover. The locusts have stolen God, can bring that back many times over. I need you to keep perspective that as long as you're here, you're still moving down the freeway of your life, and there's still more for you to do. So it's okay to cry over it, lament over it. Be a little frustrated. God can handle that. There's nothing you can say to him that he hasn't heard somebody else say. Go on and be honest because he knows what you're thinking and feeling anyway. But then I need you to say, but what's the right perspective? Thank God that I'm yours. 
Thank you, Jesus, that I belong to you. Thank you so much that you've made me like no one else. Thank you so much that I am covered in Christ Jesus, that you are covering me no matter what is happening in my life. You are causing all things to work together for the good, my good, and your glory. And then thank you for the good work that you've given me to do. Help me to see it. Help me to be faithful. Help me to do it. And then I trust you to keep me going along the road. So where do I start? Where do you start? Listen, y'all, I ran a marathon once, one time. That's it. That's all I got. I ran through the finish line, and then I kept running a Cracker Barrel, and that was the end of that. <laughs> but let me tell you this. I'm not a runner. I've never been like a runner in my life. Like, it's not a thing that I've always done. But when I decided to run a marathon, you want to know where I started? I walked out of my front door and went for a walk. Went for a walk. And I walked longer, then I ran a little bit, and then I built up to the 26.2. Marathons start with one step, one step. You've ever seen a person of faith and you wondered how did they get there? How did they believe in God? Why did God show up in their lives like that? I can guarantee you that a person in your life of great faith that you admired started with one step. It is a walk of faith, walking one step at a time. So that means no matter where you are, you don't have to worry about the long distances. What you need to do is get up from your chair right now and decide to take one step and believe that God, as he says in his word, will order your steps and guide you to exactly where you're supposed to go. And as he's guiding you and directing you, if something in your life happens that you don't expect, you need to look up with graciousness and gratitude in your eyes and say, I don't like this mess. I wish I hadn't lost this. I wish this wasn't happening in my life right now. But with gratitude, God, I trust you. And I thank you that you hit the brakes. And I thank you that no matter what happened in my life, I am saved by grace and I can live forever with you. And that perspective is all I need today. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that we're yours. I thank you that you have covered us. And I thank you that you hit the brakes on Calvary so that none of us would have to live apart from you eternally. And when life blows up on us, would you forever remind us that we always get to keep in mind that we're alive. What would you have us do while we're breathing on this earth? And then even when we're not, would you remind us that we get to live forever with you? Help us to keep the right perspective. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And that's where we'll have to end this presentation from a Women of Joy conference featuring Crystal Evans-Hurst. Wow, she is a dynamo, and what an encouraging message. And it's true that we can handle the ups and downs of life better when we have the right perspective, God's perspective. A great way to find that insight is through reading your Bible on a daily basis to soak your mind in God's thoughts. You can try a one-year Bible. It gives you short daily readings from the Old Testament, the New Testament, plus the Psalms and Proverbs. I've done that. Uh, invest about 15 minutes a day, and you'll be able to read the entire Bible in one year. Yeah, Dina and I are doing that, and we love being able to exchange ideas as we read. And, and we are going through the Bible in a year. It's a great program. And if you're new to the faith, or if you're on the fence about the claims of Christ, let me encourage you to reach out to us. We have a free e-booklet called Coming Home that explains what the Christian life is all about. Get a copy when you visit our website or give us a call if you'd like to talk about it. We are here to help, and our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, where you can find the Coming Home booklet and other resources at focusonthefamily.com 
slash broadcast. And let me encourage you to donate to Focus on the Family as we do our best to introduce people to Jesus Christ and help them build a great marriage and be godly, effective parents. That's our mission here. And when you make a donation of any amount, we'll send you a copy of the book by Crystal Evans Hurst called She's Still There, Rescuing the Girl in You. It offers great insights on how to be the woman God designed you to be, even if you had some detours in your life so far. Get your copy from Focus on the Family, where the proceeds go right back into ministry. Yeah, just give us a call here. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. Or you can donate online and request Crystal's book at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And by the way, when you get that book from us, we'll include a free audio download of Crystal's entire presentation as well. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. 